what a sweet sound, Father, to hear the voices of your saints lifting up your name and exalting you for who you are and for all that you have done for us and especially for you sending your son, Jesus Christ. And Lord Jesus, we exalt your name and we praise you for the sacrifice that you willingly gave on our behalf so that we can be here. We wouldn't even be here today lifting up these praises. We wouldn't be here um, enjoying the, the life that we have, the new life we have in you, Lord Jesus, if it hadn't been for your sacrifice. And Lord, Holy Spirit, I, I just thank you that you opened our eyes to truth that day that we gave our heart to you and that you enabled us to have the faith to be able to see our Savior and to see our need and to see our Father and the love of our Father. And so I just praise you. We just praise you. And I pray that you'll be pleased with what you see in us today. Hearts that are given to you, hearts that are surrendered to you, hearts that are open for you to speak to us today. And I invite you, Holy Spirit, to speak in a powerful way in our hearts, in our minds, to change us into the people, equip us to be the people you want us to be. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. And I know you've heard it several times already, but let me add my Happy New Year to everybody. Um, I'm very happy that you're here today. How awesome is it? Um, man, did I get the heebie-jeebies um, last week preaching into a camera again. <laughs> I'm like, Lord, please, never again, never again. I'm, I'm thankful for your patience with us as we had it. It was a hard decision to make because we had this crazy thing um, coming in on us. But um, I'm glad we're able to be together today and that you have come together today. We have a lot that we're going to face in 2023, and we're going to talk about that today. Um, but one thing that's really exciting, um, I think is exciting, and I want to make that available to you, is that Robin and I are going to be hosting a trip to Greece this year um, in April. And I know that's coming up really fast. We normally have a lot more lead time um, than this. We are trying to go to Israel, but all of Israel is, is booked up. We can't go to Israel right now. And so um, we're going to walk the footsteps of the Apostle Paul when his missionary journeys and visit all the different places that he went to, places like Ephesus and Corinth and Philippi. It's gonna be a great time um, to be able to uh, go on this journey together. So if you're interested at all, we have brochures are gonna be here next week um, on it, but you can visit the website. Here's what I'd encourage you to do. If you're interested and you want some additional information, we'd like to get your name on a list so you can go to the connection point and you can tell them that you'd like to um, get more information about the trip to Greece and we'll, get, we'll feed you that information as it comes, but we'll have more information, solid information next week um, as we put this together. So exciting um, days for that. Hey, um, how about that storm? Huh? Anybody want to be a weather guy? <laughs> Where like you can, you can like freak the entire nation out um, and then have it be like, I mean, we're northern, we're northern Indianaers, however you say that. We're, we're northerners. Two inches, we're Hoosiers. Two inches of snow with some wind is not a bomb cyclone. <laughs> but we can all say that we live through a bomb cyclone, right? It was a big deal. I mean, it was. It was, you know, it was, it was cold. It was windy like crazy. I mean, I'm really glad we didn't get the snow they were predicting. I'm glad we didn't get the snow that they got north of us. 
um, you know, with the, uh, what do they call it, the lake effect snow that was coming. If we had gotten all of that and the winds that we had and then the bitter cold, it would have been a nightmare, like Buffalo, New York, my word. I don't know if you've been watching the news, but... So praise the Lord that it didn't happen like that. But um, we braced ourselves, right? We got ready to go and 60, 70 mile an hour wind gusts and 30 to 40 below wind chill factors. That's a big deal. Anybody get out in the storm? Anybody get out in it? What's wrong with you? (laughs) What's the matter with you? Um, I I got out in it and I was like, uh, you know, I had to shovel off the drive and, and all of that. And I went out and literally froze my face off. I thought, holy cow. I mean, the, the, the wind was really biting. So I went and I got my, I have a neoprene hunting mask that I put on. And um, that took care of it. I was out there and I'm like, awesome. Until I started seeing things in my peripheral. And I ended up having like snot sickles <laughs> hanging, off of, hanging off of my mask and everything. And I'm like, this is awesome. I should have taken a picture and sent it to you guys, but um, I didn't do that. But, uh, you know, I wonder what you would think about me, though, if you had come by my house and um, you had seen me out. And, but I wasn't out shoveling the snow. I wasn't out, you know, taking care of things outside and then getting back inside as quick as I could. I was out running through the field, just running around through the field, grasping at the wind. <laughs> now, Alex, you know me, okay? And so if you had come by, just happened to be by, because you're like a really cool guy and you're out trying to help people during a storm and everything with your big trucks and all, you know? And so if you were out there and you saw me out in the field, just running around out in the middle of the field in a bomb cyclone, <laughs> what would you do? Yeah, you would just keep driving. Thanks a lot. You're, it's just, yeah, you're a real good friend. I would hope that you would come out and say, Phil, are you okay? I mean, what are you doing out here? And if my answer to you was, I'm chasing the wind. Join me. What would the next move be? You'd be, probably be making a phone call, right? I mean, to the funny farm and say, my friend has lost his mind. Am I right? If I was out, if I was out running around and chasing the wind out in this storm that we have, this bomb cyclone that was going off, you would think I was a little nuts. Who does that kind of stuff? And then if I invited you to join me, would you? Come on, the weather's fine. And you'd be like, shut up. Get in the car. No. I'm out here chasing the wind. You'd think I'd lost my mind and something was very drastically wrong with me. Well, did you know that there's a couple of guys in the Bible who wrote about that very thing? Take your Bibles and go to Ecclesiastes chapter 1. Ecclesiastes chapter 1. Now, Ecclesiastes, if you don't know where that is, get in the middle of your Bible that's Psalms. You'll hit Psalms somewhere in there. And then go to the right, two, book, two books, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. This passage is actually written by King Solomon, the wisest man um, to ever live. And he wrote these words on a quest. He was on a quest to find fulfillment and satisfaction in this world. And with all of his wisdom, he was seeking hard after it, and he was pursuing pleasure, and he was pursuing satisfaction, 
and he was pursuing purpose and meaning in this world. And this is what he says in Ecclesiastes chapter one, verse two. Everything is meaningless. What a way to start. I'm gonna write you a book. You might be thinking, what a way to start a sermon on the first day of a new year, Phil, with these words, everything is meaningless, says the teacher, completely meaningless. What do people get for all their hard work under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth never changes. The sun rises and the sun sets and then hurries around to rise again. And the wind blows south and then turns north. Around and around it goes, blowing in circles. Rivers run into the sea, but the sea is never full. Then the water returns again to the rivers and flows out again to the sea. (laughs) Everything is wearisome beyond description. Anybody wanna say amen to that? No matter how much we see, we're never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we're not content. History merely repeats itself. It's all been done before. Nothing under the sun is truly new. Sometimes people say, here's something new, but actually it's old. Nothing is ever truly new. We don't remember what happened in the past and in future generations, no one will remember what we are doing now. And you may, you may say to yourself, wow, Solomon was a massive pessimist. That guy needed like a Pollyanna makeover. He needs to look at the world in a totally different way, right? Well, probably, I mean, maybe, if this hadn't been Solomon, the king of Israel, and the one that God had gifted with more wisdom than any other human on the planet and ever to live again. This is the guy who possessed godly, a a huge amount of godly wisdom who is coming to these conclusions that everything is meaningless, completely meaningless in the world. And because of his conclusions about everything being meaningless, he went on a quest, and he's gonna explain that to us, and I wanna take you through it. He went on a quest to find meaning and to find some kind of true human pleasure and true human satisfaction on this earth in his earthly existence. And so he starts with understanding. Look at verse 13. I devoted myself to search for understanding and to explore by wisdom everything being done under heaven. Keep that in your mind. Everything being done under heaven. I soon discovered that God has dealt a tragic existence to the human race. You're gonna have to keep up with me today, okay? I know you're all groggy from last night and everything. But are you following along? Are you, are, you, are you catching some of this? Do you have that feeling that God has dealt a tragic existence to the human race? As you experience the things that you experience, as you see the things that you see in the world around us, The more he sought understanding to try to understand the world, to try to understand everything that's going on in this human existence, he came to that conclusion that God's dealt us a tragic existence. I observed everything going on under the sun, verse 14, and really it is all meaningless, and look at these next words, like chasing the wind. 
You see that? Everything going on under heaven, he says, is like everyone's out in a field in the middle of a bomb cyclone chasing the wind. He's not satisfied, so he sets his mind to learning. Look, look farther with me in verse 17. He says, I just don't know enough, so I set out to learn everything from wisdom to madness and folly. But I learned firsthand that pursuing all of this is like, say it with me, chasing the wind. The greater my wisdom, the greater my grief. To increase knowledge only increases sorrow. So he's really depressed now. He's, he's so in the dumps with learning and understanding and he goes headlong into the pursuit of pleasure. He, he, he like, he dumps the other stuff. He says, okay, I'm done. I'm done with understanding and wisdom and learning. Let's just dive into pleasure. Let's just explore all the wonderful things this world has to offer. And so verse 17, uh, where are we? In verse, chapter two, verse one, he says, so I came to myself, I said to myself, come on, let's try pleasure. Let's look for the good things in life. But I found that this too was meaningless. I said, laughter is silly. What good does it do to seek pleasure? Now hang with it because the pursuit of pleasure was leading him down a very dark hole of nothing. Look at verse three. After much thought, I decided to cheer myself with wine. Well, there you go, Solomon. a boy. I could have told you that alcohol will answer all your questions. Alcohol will take care of everything. Just dive into alcohol and it will, it will, it will fix you. And while still seeking wisdom, I clutched at foolishness. In this way, I tried to experience the only happiness most people find during their brief life in this world. So what he did is he followed the way of the simple. He followed the way of the majority of people who he knew and his conclusion is that it was like clutching at foolishness to turn to wine for pleasure. So I turned to building things and the creativity to find pleasure and satisfaction. Look at verse four. I also tried to find meaning by building huge homes for myself and by planting beautiful vineyards. I made gardens and parks, filled them with all kinds of fruit trees. I built reservoirs to collect the water to irrigate my many flourishing groves. I bought slaves, both men and women, and others were born into my household. I also owned large herds of flocks and more than any of the other kings who had lived in Jerusalem before me. I collected great sums of silver and gold, the treasure of many kings and provinces. I hired wonderful singers, both men and women, and had many beautiful concubines. Concubines? What's a concubine? Well, a concubine is a woman that you would get to satisfy yourself that's not your wife. That's a concubine. You know what he did? He dove so deep into this, trying to find fulfillment, trying to find pleasure, that he had 700 wives and 300 concubines. <laughs> I don't know why I'm laughing. Um, think about that, because his very next statement is, I had everything a man could desire. I'm not even gonna comment. I'm not even gonna comment. I don't know how you would handle 
a thousand women. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. I had everything a man could desire. And my conclusion is that everything's like chasing the wind. But wait, there's more. He pursued fame and power in verse 9. So I became greater than all who had lived in Jerusalem before me, and my wisdom never failed me. Anything I wanted, I would take. I denied myself no pleasure. I, 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 me, 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 my, my, my. I went out there and I got everything I could for myself. I'm on top of the world. I'm the happiest man on earth because I have denied myself nothing, right? That's my crown of glory, right? Right? Surely he would find fulfillment in all of those things. I can have anything I want, any time I want it. But his conclusion in verse 11 is, but as I looked at everything I had worked so hard to accomplish, it was all so meaningless, like, here it is, chasing the wind. There was nothing really worthwhile anywhere. What he's describing is a man or a woman on this earth trying to find pleasure and trying to find satisfaction in everything under heaven, everything on the earth. Can I just... There's a couple of parts in here that, that I'm really nervous to talk to you about, okay? Because I don't, I want you to catch what I'm trying to say and not get stuck in the middle of this sermon somewhere on something I say. It didn't make any sense right there. I want you to hear the heart of what I'm talking about, the big picture of what I'm talking about, even though you might feel like there's some hard things that I'm gonna say about our world that we're living in right now. But doesn't this that I just went through doesn't this describe our world? Doesn't this describe everything? These are the things that everyone in our world is pursuing right now. It's like the whole world is running around out in the middle of a field in a bomb cyclone chasing the wind. And we're looking in on that and we're seeing, you guys are nuts. Right? That's how I am right now. I mean, you, what are you doing? Get out of the field. It's freezing cold out there. You, you're not, there's not, nothing good's gonna come. You're just gonna end up with a bunch of snot sickles hanging out from everywhere. Whenever you get done here, there's not gonna produce anything of pleasure for you in the end. And yet people, everyone, everyone in our world is chasing the wind. Everyone in our world is chasing after all of these things. As we look at 2023, I titled the sermon this way. Chasing the wind? Are you thinking about chasing the wind? Don't do it! Because it's not gonna get you anywhere healthy. You're not gonna be okay at the end of your chasing if you chase the wind. God's not okay with this kind of hedonistic behavior and hedonistic pursuit. It's certainly not okay for God's holy people to be running around chasing the wind. You hear me, right? I mean, not only should you have said, Phil, get out of the field, it's stupid, but Phil, 
Don't you have any more sense than that? And that's what we need to be talking to ourselves about as Christians. We see the world out there chasing the wind, and we ought to be like, what are you guys doing? But what happens when we see each other chasing the wind? Not okay. God's not okay with that. You know, the word hedonism is a very interesting word. I want to define it for you. Hedonism is this, the pursuit of pleasure. It's sensual self-indulgence. That's what hedonism is. That is what Solomon was doing in a hedonistic pursuit of pleasure. Self-indulgence of every kind in order to find meaning in the world. This is the human theory that pleasure, which is defined as the satisfaction of your desires, is the highest good. So the pleasure and the satisfaction of your desires is the highest good and the proper aim of your human existence. In other words, our goal in life is to please and serve ourselves and that everything and everyone around us exists to please us and for our use. Can I show you something? You want to turn, turn it to the right of Ecclesiastes and go to Hosea chapter eight. Let me show you what happens when God's people pursue self-indulgence and pleasure from the things of this world. So God, there was a prophet named Hosea at the time that Israel turned their back on God. And so God had a strong message to deliver to his people, a message, a pretty damning message of condemnation um, to share with them his displeasure and disappointment. And we find it here in Hosea chapter eight. It was their deliberate disobedience of God's commands which caused them to walk away from God and walk out of his blessing and to bring this, dis, this discouraging, um, condemning, judgmental uh, message from the Lord in Hosea 8, verse 1. Look at this. Sound the alarm. Isn't that an interesting way for God to start? You know, if God comes to you with a message and the first thing he says is, sound the alarm, that's not a good thing. Sound the alarm, the enemy descends like an eagle on the people of the Lord, for they have broken my covenant and revolted against my law. Now Israel pleads with me, help us, for you are our God. But it's too late. The people of Israel have rejected what is good, and now their enemies will chase after them. The people have appointed kings without my consent and princes without my approval. By making idols for themselves from their silver and gold, they have brought about their own destruction. O oh, Samaria, I reject this calf, this idol that you have made. My fury burns against you. How long will you be incapable of innocence? This calf that you worship, O oh Israel, was crafted by your own hands. It is not God. Therefore, it must be smashed to bits. Lean into verse seven with me. They have planted the wind and will harvest the whirlwind. Your Bible might say they have sown the wind and will reap the whirlwind. The stalks of grain wither and produce nothing to eat, and even if there is any grain, foreigners will eat it. The people of Israel have been swallowed up. They lie among the nations like an old discarded pot, like a wild donkey looking for a mate. They have gone up to Assyria. The people of Israel have sold themselves, sold themselves to many lovers. 
The message in all of this that God was giving to his people is my friends, listen to you, my people, you have walked away from me and in walking away from me, you have sown or you have planted the wind, you have chased after the wind and now you're going to reap a whirlwind and he's not saying that that's a good thing. Now, I, I believe that, I don't believe that the church has replaced Israel. I don't believe that. There are some who teach that, okay? That's not what I believe, and I don't believe that's what the Bible teaches. But I see a parallel in that passage. I actually read it with, like, America in there. Whenever it talked about my people or talks about Israel, I put America in there. And it re you should do it sometime. Go home and do that. It reads like we're reading, like God's writing it to us today. And here's why I say that. I believe that God is just as upset and disappointed with the bad behavior and the deliberate disobedience of the American people right now. Okay, I just, can, let me just stop. Um, I know that you came to church today and you want me to say, hey, welcome to 2023. Isn't it awesome that we get to start a brand new year and everything, we wipe the slate clean, 2022 is done, and now we get to walk into 2023 and start brand new, fresh, anew, and give you some kind of awesome message of hope that 2023 is going to be so much better than 2022. I know that's, and I have, I hear you, I hear some, you know, I, I, I have to speak truth to you. Amen. And the truth is that 2023 is probably going to be worse than 2022. And the reason I say that is because the Bible says that that's going to happen. And my risk in all of this today is, is you know, like, I don't want you to walk away mad because he didn't give us any hope today. He didn't give us any hope. The hope is in you. The hope is in Jesus Christ. The hope is in following Jesus Christ in the midst of a world that is in major decline. And I said a world that's bigger than the nation. But our nation is going down by the head. And you just need to know that. God knows the path of destruction that we are on, and he's not okay with it. You do know that America, this American experiment that we're in the middle of right now, was built on the foundation. Its foundation, let me put it back up. Its foundation was built on the word of God. And I'm not saying that all of our forefathers and those who, those who were building our nation were all Christians and believers. They weren't, okay? But they all understood that there was one God and that he wrote a book and this was his holy word and they built our nation upon the word of God. They did. Our constitution is built on. Our rights, our bill of rights, it's all built on what God-given rights that we have. And they're tearing at the foundation. We have destroyed the biblical foundations upon which our nation was built. We've torn down the pillars of righteousness and we have replaced them, just like Israel, with our own hedonistic idols. We've appointed kings to rule without God's consent. 
We have rejected truth and have replaced it with lies, deliberately, by the way. We worship at the altars of our own making and we bow before our own golden calves of lust and sensuality. And it's everywhere and it is increasing at such a rapid pace that it's mind-blowing. We have sown the wind. We're about to reap the whirlwind. You need to hear me now, okay? We don't escape the whirlwind that the world is going to reap. We're in the middle of it. We live amongst them. And so our leaders and our nation is going down. The world and its leaders are going down. And they they have sown the wind. They have chased the wind. And they're going to reap the whirlwind. And the church of Jesus Christ is going to be right in the middle of it. It's not like he's going to put this little protected bubble around all of us and say, okay, while the, while the bomb cyclone hits the world and hits the nation, you guys will be safe, tucked away here in the, in the crest of the rock and in the, underneath the shelter of my wing. That's what's going to happen. No, we're going to experience all of it. You do know that, right? <laughs> Your faces, you're like... What? It's truth. It's the reality. And so what's the answer to what do we do about it? Well, here's a good place to start. Want to write down a goal for 2023? Ready? Get your pens ready. Stop chasing the wind, child of God. As soon as I said that, some things popped into your heads. Because the Holy Spirit of God is alive in you. And this whole message as I've been preparing it, God's been like, okay, well, Phil, here's a windy thing you're chasing. Here's a windy thing you're chasing. You're trying to find fulfillment here. You're trying to find fulfillment here under the sun, under the heavens. You're trying to find some kind of fulfillment and pleasure and satisfaction out of the things that the world has to offer. And the Bible is clear. It's all chasing the wind. Stop chasing the wind. There's a good place for us to start. You want to put down a goal? I'm going to identify the windy things in my life, and I'm going to stop chasing after those things. But it's not just enough, you know this, okay, from our teaching in the past, it's not just enough to stop doing something, you have to take off the old and put on something new, amen? Amen. So we stop chasing the winds of pleasure and self-indulgence and we start chasing hard after God and righteousness. We pursue God and the things that please him. Look at on the screen, 2 Corinthians 5, 9 says, we make it our goal to please him whether we are at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Let me show you this, okay? We've used this before, and you have your notes. Your notes are like, this this doesn't make any sense. Unless you've been here for a while and you've seen us use this before. We call this the 2 Corinthians 5-9 Y chart. We call it a Y chart, and I'll show you why in just a little bit. But here's, here's what it is right here, okay? Jesus said that... Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. He says that the man who does good and the man who does bad, those things that he does, his attitudes and behavior come out 
of his heart. He does the bad things that he has stored up in his heart. So if, he's, if you're doing bad things on the outside here, it's because you're storing up bad things in your heart. Can you guys, you guys okay over there? If you can, if you're doing good things, it's because you've stored up good things in your heart. So what a man thinks in his heart, the scripture says, that's what he is. And so that's how we act. And so what's happening is we're going to come out here and we're going to meet a point of decision every day, all day long, many times, we're going to reach a point of decision where we have to make a choice. Are we going to pursue the hedonistic pursuit of sensual pleasure, indulging myself in the things this world has to offer and serve myself? Or am I going to make a decision to not to, to go against the thing that I am naturally bent towards, this thing of serving myself, and am I going to choose to serve God instead? Am I going to do things that please me? These are, this is feelings-oriented. Or am I going to do the thing that pleases God? This is a point of decision that I have made, and this is truth-oriented. This is the point of decision where every single one of us have to make this decision right here every single day, all day long. And my suggestion to you that if you are not choosing to follow God, if you're not choosing to please God in everything you do, then you are making a windy decision. You're chasing the wind. But if you can rehabituate yourself off of following the way of self, and you can go towards following the way of God, which is 2 Corinthians, sorry, 2 Corinthians, you got it? I'm trying to make too big of a hurry, 5.9. If you can make this 2 Corinthians 5.9 your goal every single day, put your feet on the ground, you're going to please God, you're going to make it your goal to please him in everything, then you are making righteous decisions. Every day in 2023 and beyond, until Jesus returns, you and me, God's people, need to be making it our goal to please him in everything we do, in everything we say, in every way that we think, every moment of every day. It means that we've got to stop chasing the wind, stop with the human hedonistic pursuit, and actually become what some have termed as a Christian hedonist. In other words, I'm not going to be like Solomon. Everything was I, 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 me, 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 my, my, my. I'm going to seek after not pleasure and meaning and satisfaction under heaven, but I will set my pursuit on the one who sits on the throne of heaven and the Lord Jesus Christ who sits at his right hand. See, our desires are not our problem. The source we go to to fulfill those desires is our problem. C.S. Lewis put it this way, your desires aren't your problem. The weakness of your desires is your problem. You're like a child fooling about in the slums with your mud pies. I have in there the world and all that it offers. That's chasing the wind. Because you can't imagine what a holiday at the sea is like, which is chasing hard after God. 
Simply put, our desires for the world are too great and our desires for the great things that God offers are way too small. The chief end of man, we are told, is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And the apostle Paul put it this way in Philippians 1.20, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed but will have sufficient courage so that now as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death, for to me to live is Christ, not me. I'm living for Christ, I'm not living for me. Every single one of us, every, every child of God ought to have on their lips every morning, oh Lord, help me. Have the eager expectation and hope that I will not be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, not me being exalted in my body. So the Lord is really um, speaking to me about something. Um, and I want to release it to you. And I don't mean that I was visited by an angel and he talked to me, you know, or something like that. I just, I just in my spirit, I've been convicted about this, that um, my concern needs to be no longer for America. And what I mean by that is um, I feel like the Lord is saying, Phil, you need to be done with grieving, you need to be done with trying to get the church to wake up and fix it, because it's not gonna fix. It's prophecy, it's prophetically going down. America is going to come to its end, and it's going to decline more and more rapidly as we head into the future. And you're like, man, you're being pessimistic. I'm really not being pessimistic, I'm being biblical. And so I've gotta change my mindset because I, I am too frustrated. I really am, I'm too angry and too frustrated. What's wrong with you guys? This isn't the America that I live in. Well, yeah, it actually is. And that's what it's turning into. And as much as my heart breaks for that, I need to be more about something much higher than that. And so as your pastor, I'm no longer gonna be focused on how do we fix America, I'm gonna be focused completely on you, my brothers and sisters. We're gonna be doing everything we do in this ministry to equip you to love God more and love people more so that we can influence our world even to get a greater level and a greater degree in 2023 than we ever have before for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I also want to equip you to stand in the day of trouble that's coming to our nation and that's coming to our world. 2023 is about to bring with it events like we have never seen before. But we don't despair in the face of that. Because 2023 might be our finest hour. You see, when things get darker in the world, the light of Christ through his people get brighter. 
And it's our time to shine when things get darker. We don't despair because we're Christ's children, God's children, the blood-bought church of Jesus Christ. And we are called to stand in truth, armed with courage, so that when our nation reaps her whirlwind, and she's going to reap it soon, we won't falter and fall down in the midst of all that and run around chasing the wind like everybody else. We won't be like running out in the field going, ah, with everybody else. No, we're standing strong because we stand on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. We sang a song that comes right out of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter seven, where Jesus said, if you will hear these words, and put them into practice. When the winds come and blow and beat against your house, your house will stand because you have built it on the rock. The rock, my friends, okay, is not, don't miss, we're, we're built, we, we stand on the foundation of Jesus Christ, but the rock spoke, Jesus was speaking of was not himself. It was the obedience to his word that is the rock that you built your house, build your house on. Those who hear my words and put them into practice will be on the rock. They will build their house on the rock. And when the winds come, when the bomb cyclone hits, when our nation and our world reaps what they have sown, we will stand. Let the winds blow. Let the bomb cyclones come. Let it rage all around us. When everybody else's houses fall because of what they have harvested from what they've planted, they will turn to people whose houses are still standing. They will turn to those who didn't chase the wind. They'll turn to those who made it their goal every single day to please God and not to please themselves because those houses will be standing and they will find hope and they will find help and they will find deliverance and they will find salvation in the midst of their trial because God's people didn't chase the wind. The Bible says that if you chase after righteousness, then blessings will chase after you. The blessing of the Lord will be upon us in our homes because we chose to chase after God and to please him and not ourselves. Thinking about chasing the wind? Don't do it. Don't do it. Winston Churchill said this, and I'll close with this. To every man there comes in his lifetime that special moment when he is figuratively trapped or tapped on the shoulder and offered a chance to do a very special thing unique to him and fitted to his talents. What a tragedy if that moment finds him unprepared and unqualified for that which would be his finest hour. Put that into a Christian context. And what it says to us is, don't chase the wind. If you're busy chasing the wind, you will not be prepared for your finest hour, church of Jesus Christ, when a child of God, when he taps you on the shoulder and says, okay, I have, equi I have saved you, I have equipped you, 
I have gifted you for such a time as this. 2023 is gonna be a time for the church to rise and shine for the glory of the Lord and for the advancement of his kingdom. I have an exercise for those of you, especially those of you who set like, you know, goals for yourself on, on this day, the first day of a new year. Um, instead of sitting down with a blank piece of paper and writing down goals you want, how about you sit down and spend some time with the Lord and ask the Holy Spirit this question. I have a piece of paper, Holy Spirit, and I have a pen, and I'm ready to write down the things you lay on my heart, the chasing of the wind that I have been doing that I need to stop chasing. And write those things down. And then begin a quest every day to get up in the morning, put your feet on the ground, and quote 2 Corinthians 5.9. I will make it my goal to please you in everything that I do today, Lord. Help me to deny myself. Help me to take up my cross and follow you. Help me to put away those things that I desire, those things that my heart longs after, the things that this world seemingly can offer me as meaningless and follow you and hear from you and hear your word and obey your word so that I can stand when the storms rage. I think the Lord would be pleased with that and I guarantee you, he'll visit you and he'll answer your prayer and right there, he'll write down some things. He'll give you some things to write down and to work on. Let's stand together as we close today. Are you guys okay? We were praying back here at the beginnings just saying, Lord, help them see the big picture and not hear the little things that concern us about our world and everything. And I don't want you to walk out depressed. I want you to walk out excited about following hard after God in a day that is depressing. Because God wants to use you, but he can't use you the way he wants. He can't use any of us the way he wants if we're chasing the wind. So Lord, I pray that you'll help us and that you'll strengthen us in our desire. Lord, we want to. Every, I guarantee you, every one of my friends here in this room, my brothers and sisters here, they want to please you. They want to obey you. We all want that. You know our hearts, but you know how weak we are. And so would you just, by your Holy Spirit, strengthen our desire and our courage and our expectation that you will be exalted in our life, whether by life or by death, for me to live, for us all to live as Christ and not ourselves. Help us to die to ourselves and live unto you and follow your path that you've set out for us. And then bless us in all that you have for us to do as we leave this place. Protect us. Lord, all of my brothers and sisters, protect them from the attack of the evil one as they go about their week. And until we come back together again, use us powerfully to shine our lights for you. In Jesus' powerful name we pray, amen. Hey, God bless you. You're dismissed.